Welcome everybody to another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. If y'all enjoying your day, sweet. If not, what the hell ever. So yes, it is time for the WrestleMania 39 Night 2 review, as I promise. So, if you guys have not seen the Night 1 review, please go back and watch that before you get to this episode. And hopefully you all checked out the previous episode talking about Brooke Knowles' best season 1. So, let's get into this episode. So, second night, start off the show, Miz and Snoop Dogg trying to hype up the crowd whatever let's just get to the first match being brock lesnar versus osmosis jones i mean omas i mean this match was just done to give brock some kind of wrestlemania moment of sorts because like it was just a case where brock did not want to work with bray wyatt so instead oh we'll go with omas just because like omas like i need a challenger oh, and mvp did the challenge on his behalf so they tried telling the story that Omos was becoming like the only guy to really physically outpower Brock, which was working a bit, but then Brock got like three German suplexes. He tried to go for an F5, but his back gave out. Then Osmosis Jones tried to do that choke bomb. I don't know what finisher he tries what his name of finisher is. But Brock stops it and then somehow his back's not hurting anymore to give an F5. And it just takes one F5 to win it. Honestly, I did not like this opener. Like, yeah, it was not even five minutes. But it's just like it really didn't accomplish anything. They just want to give Brock the moment of saying, hey, he gave an F5 to this gigantic guy who might be a bit taller than Big Show. But, I mean, that was just the purpose. Give Brock an easy payday. And, again, he didn't do much offense. It's just three German suplexes, one F5, that's it. Yay, big whoop. I mean... Omos used to look more impressed before then. Look at his debut at WrestleMania 37 when he was dominating over New Day. That looked more impressive than what you saw here with the match with Brock. Brock made chump change out of this guy. Now the second match. The Fatal 4-Way Women's Tag Match. Uh, Quote-unquote WrestleMania Showcase. Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler against Liv Morgan, Ra- Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia and Shotzi. Versus Chelsea, Karen Green, and Sonya Deville. I don't know what the purpose of this match was. Again, like I said with the last review, unless this match is being done to potentially name a new number one contender to the tag titles, I don't see the purpose of it. I mean, it became a case where, yeah, this match was longer than the opener, but this match became a case of just get your shit in and go from there. The only notable moment that I can remember for this match was that Natalia got a double sharpshooter on both Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, which we've seen a few times in the past. It always looks cool. But Liv broke that up when she got a missile dropkick on Natalia, so she broke the submission hold. And then you get to the point, the bland finish where Ronda got tagged in. She's the legal one against Shotzi, and she puts the arm bar on Shotzi to make her tap, which is like the only bit of offense Ronda got in this whole match, so... Again, lazy cheap payday there for the winner. Like, she literally did nothing else in the match. Everybody else did far more work than she did. It's just like, tag in, armbar, oh, she wins. She didn't have to do anything else. Didn't care. Now you get to match number three. This I was impressed with. Gunther. Not the the bartender, or coffee barista, I guess was the descriptive term. Not that guy from Friends. Versus... Sheamus and Drew McIntyre triple threat for the Intercontinental Championship. This one was had three different stories. Gunther trying to keep his extensive and dominating run going. Sheamus wanting to win the one championship he's still gunning for in his WWE career. 
so he's wanting to win this. He doesn't care for the Universal Championship yet, because he hasn't won that either. And Drew McIntyre wanting to reclaim the very first championship he ever held in WWE that he just completely took for granted. This match, one of the best Intercontinental Championship matches in WrestleMania history. I mean, really hard-hitting, just from the get-go. Chop City, everybody with red chests and everything. It was a great chop fest that even got me excited between Drew McIntyre and Gunther just boom, 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 non-stop. Sheamus even gets Gunther tied up into the ropes, and you see a combo there where Sheamus is doing 10 beats of the bow run, but it's like after one club, then Drew hits a chop. Club, chop, club, chop. Great moment there. So, and then you even see Sheamus, he's trying to break his own record with hits, where he gets Drew on the apron, ties him up in the ropes, and starts doing the 10 beats of the bow run. But instead of 10 beats, he hits 26 in a row before Drew just drops down onto the apron. It's just like, geez. And I was legit surprised seeing how pro Sheamus this crowd was. Normally, Sheamus doesn't get, like, an amazing reaction, especially here in the U.S. Like, he got an amazing reaction back at Clash of the Castle. You didn't think he would get an amazing reaction here within WrestleMania. And even when he was doing a slugfest with himself and, Sh and Drew, like, back and forth stuff, people booed Drew and cheered Sheamus. I'm legit surprised there. Well, you get a little bit later on. Sheamus is brawling with Gunther. Gets a white noise off Brett's rope and even the Celtic cross on a Gunther. Still not enough to put away the ring general. So Drew's then battling with Sheamus. And he does that Topekon heel dive over the top to Sheamus on the outside. Which the commentary team is trying to say, Oh, we've never seen Drew do that before. Yeah, he has. He's done it plenty of times. It was like when Michael Cole at WrestleMania 23 said, Oh, I've never seen Batista do a flying shoulder tackle off the top rope, even though he did his Survivor Series months earlier. So their memory's not good. And then Drew, when he gets back in the ring with Sheamus, he's trying to go for the Claymore kick, but Sheamus reverses it right there with a bro kick. I mean, you gotta like that timing there. And then you get to the finish. Sheamus gets the bro kick on Drew, covers him, but then the pin is broken up barely before three as Gunther flies off camera off the top rope, landing on both of them. Gunther grabs Sheamus, powerbombs him on Drew, and then powerbombs Drew into the middle of the canvas on his own to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Unbelievable. Like I said, this is one of the best Intercontinental Championship matches in WrestleMania history, and that's what you gotta like about having these big men matches. They can just completely slug it out, hit hard, and get the crowd invested, because it doesn't look, like, phony or anything. They just, you got big meaty men slapping the shit out of each other. It's Big E's Wedgering. Anyway, now you get to match number four. This is what I'm going to really kind of criticize here. Bianca Belair defending the Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. I will say this was an impressive match. You have the power of Bianca Belair versus, I guess you could describe the technical prowess in-ring style of Asuka. And they showed pretty well together. They had a couple sloppy, iffy moments. But, I mean, it was impressive. And at the end, you saw a nice sequence at the end where... Uh, Bianca's trying to go for the KOD, but Asuka's grabbing the rope to avoid it. Bianca ducks down after she lands on her feet to avoid the blue mist, so she knew that was coming. Then Asuka tried, was almost about to get hit with the KOD again, but this time, she rolls through to get out of the move and locks an armbar on Bianca. Bianca's flailing around like a fish out of water, she's like, ah, ah! But she powers through the move after about a minute, gets, stands with Asuka on her back, and hits the KOD for the pin. So yeah, it only takes one finisher here. I can appreciate that, not seeing a gigantic finisher fest. But there are two questions here. Number one, where does Bianca go from here in terms of being a champion because she's already been champion for a year? 
I mean, if they turn her heel or something, then it's like, hey, you give her a new direction, and you can finally give some something new for her to do, instead of just being dominating over everybody. And two, I have a gigantic question. Why isn't Asuka allowed to win a WrestleMania still? Think about this for a second. She had her first WrestleMania match at 34. She still has not won a match on the grand sta grandest stage of them all. This woman used to be undefeated for a few years on end. Yeah, she can't win a WrestleMania still. This would have been the perfect time to give the championship to Asuka. I get it, you already made the title change for the SmackDown Women's title the night prior, but still, it would have been the right choice. At least in my opinion. Now you get The Miz and Snoop Dogg coming back down to the ring, and they announce the attendance record saying, oh, we got more people here tonight than last night, so you have 162,000 attendance record between both nights combined, even though that's kind of weird, it's not like you had different people coming in one night and then different people the next. You just had a repeat. So it's not like 162,000 plus different people. I mean, unless you're trying to beat those Korea shows or whatever WCW did. And then the Miz is berating Snoop Dogg saying, How dare you put me in an impromptu match? I have a $10,000 suit that you ruined because I had to fight in it. And then Snoop Dogg's like, All right, you got a problem with that? Here's another impromptu match. Out comes Shane McMahon for the first time since Royal Rumble 2022. Shane decides, hey, let's have an impromptu match. Well, it wasn't really much of a match because it didn't even get off to even get off the ground because Shane's laying in the punches of the Miz in the corner and they try the whole drop down leap leapfrog uh, sequence there. But Shane, when he lands on leapfrog sequence, he tears his quad. Ugh, disaster right from the get-go. And then, of course, they had to save it afterwards because Snoop Dogg then gets in the ring as Shane's getting a tended to by doctors, lays on the Miz with two punches, people's elbow, and Snoop Dogg wins the match because he counts as a substitute there. I mean, yay, Snoop wins a WrestleMania, but it's just, this whole thing fell so hard so fast. Hopefully Shane's going to be alright. I mean, I know it's torn quad and everything, hopefully he's going to be okay, but it's, that's just bad luck right there. You're back for the first time in over a year, and it shows that even a basic maneuver that people have done in the past somehow can go wrong. Anything can happen in wrestling. Now the sixth match. Edge versus the Demon. Finn Balor inside hell in a cell. Finally the big conclusion to the Edge Judgment Day feud. After Edge got kicked out of his own faction. Constant stuff going on with his wife and attacks and all that shit. Now we're finally to this match. And thank God they got rid of the red hell in a cell for this match. Thank you WWE for bringing back the original color hell in a cell. Because the red one looked too toyish. And Edge had a sick entrance here. Because you had the Titantrons dripping in blood saying, Brood Edge. He's rising up through the fire and the ramp. And he's got this skull mask that is made out of like broken up mirror shards. Which look fucking awesome. Devil wings on his arms. Love that. But then Cole screws something up here during Edge's entrance. He's saying that in 1997 in the Dawn of the Attitude Era, Edge joined the Brood with this gothic lifestyle. Problem is, that was 1998 when that happened, Cole, not 97. Edge did not even debut until the summer of 98. Because then afterwards, when the brood officially formed. So, Ed, you're off by a year there, Cole. So, the weird thing I kept seeing, notice here is, for some reason, they had a bunch of weapons that were red and purple. I mean, maybe red because of Edge and his attire, and then purple is stuff because of the Judgment Day. A little weird. And they had a cool moment right off the start that I gotta give props to where after Finn was just constantly no-selling the offense by Edge, 
Edge trapped him in the corner behind a couple kendo sticks and hit a running apron drop kick to Finn, who was stuck in the corner. You gotta like that. You gotta isolate the guy. And then you get a nasty moment that I wish I could forget that I saw the sight of. After some more brawling and getting weapons, Edge brought a ladder from under the ring and chucked it right at Finn's head, which halted the match due to blood loss, even though this is hell in a cell. And if you guys saw on social media, I do not recommend this if you're squeamish. But Finn showed an image of his head being attended to by the doctors, and it was a long gash at the top of his head because of that throw. Oh my god, was that nasty. Please do not look it up if you cannot handle it. I'm warning you all there. Big moment there. But I mean, it is. it does suck also that they stopped the match because of blood loss. It's hell in a cell. I get it, you're a PG company and everything, but there should be some exceptions, especially when you're in this hellacious match like this. I mean, I bet if they had the red lights or anything, nobody would have noticed. So, finally the match gets back underway. Then would miss the coup de gras trying to hit it on Edge. And then Edge tries to go for a spear. Fucking Finn avoids it and Edge smashes head first into his own ladder that he set up in the corner. Because while Finn was getting tended to, Edge like set the ladder up like standing vertically instead of just propping up in the corner. I mean, ugh, at least he was okay there. So then Finn, he gets his coup de gras. Gets a near fall, and then he tries climbing the ladder because he's going to go to a higher height for the coup de gras. Edge stops him with a kendo stick and hits an execution DDT. Just like he did to Eddie Guerrero in that match that they had on SmackDown in 2002. But this doesn't put away the demon. It can put away Eddie, but it can't put away a demon. It's like you get dropped on your head from that height, it should knock you out. Then Edge goes under the ring, breaks out a second table. He had one earlier, but he got driven into it in the corner of the fucking sell, but he brings in a second table, Finn lays him out on it, and he's smashing him over and over and over with a chair, which I thought the table was going to give way, because you could see it buckling, but instead of Finn going to the top rope for the coup de gras to drive Edge through the table, he jumps off the top rope and starts stealing the side of the cell, to the point where there was like those horizontal beams, like to have the different sides, like you all have seen Hell in a Cell, at least within the games, and you see those beam divider beams there? He jumps off one of them for the coup de gras. Edge gets out of the way, so Finn coup de gras himself through the table. Dude, it's like, ugh. I mean, that was a pretty cool sight. And then Edge spears him afterwards, stealing near fall. Then Edge is like, I've had enough. He's grabbing weapons, wailing Finn over and over in the back with a kendo stick and a chair, and then finish him off for good with the concerto to put this all to rest. So finally, Edge wins Hell in a Cell. Another great match. I mean, yeah, the blood loss kind of, and the referee, or, sorry, doctor interference kind of watered it down a bit, but this was still a great Hell in a Cell match. I liked it. I mean, I think some people even try to say, oh, this could be the end of the, the demon character is dead, he lost. People, get over it. People win, people lose. Okay, the demon character is not dead. Now you get to the main event, and this is where things are going to get a little bit iffy. Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Cody Rhodes. Cody's back, and he's been trying to go on a tear for the past year. He returned to WrestleMania last year, beat Seth Rollins, came back from pectoral muscle injury, which he fought through inside Hell in a Cell before going away for injury, came back, won the Royal Rumble match, and now he's going against the Tribal Chief, the head of the table, the jack off himself, Roman Reigns, who is still undefeated after three years. Well, I gotta give props even to Cody during his entrance, because he took his weight belt and gave it to Brody Lee's son there in the front row during his entrance. 
great moment there, and I think Amanda Huber, the mother of her son there, actually shouted out Cody for doing that because of a great gesture. And things kind of get pretty rough right within a few minutes with back and forth striking, and both of them even start slamming each other at the edge of the entrance ramp, really getting brutal, especially the bumps that Cody took. Like, boom, over and over. Then Soul, he's getting involved. Cody was even trying to, to get into the ring off the apron, but behind the referee's back, Solo grabbed a chair and jacked Cody in the ribs. But of course, referee didn't see it, so, oh, no problem there. And then Roman capitalizes afterwards with the, that drive-by apron drop kick, which he was, looked cooler back in the day, back when he was more frequently using it, but this one didn't feel like it got all the impact that we needed. Roman later tried to powerbomb Cody off the Spanish announce table through the English one, but Cody reverses it with a back body drop, boom, slamming Roman through the announce table. Yay. So, uh, then you get to this part. Solo, afterwards, is trying, is once again behind the referee's back. He grabbed the weight belt from Brody Lee's son and whipped Cody in the back. But once again, it was behind the referee's back. But this time, this time, the referee heard that, even though he doesn't see the belt, but he heard the whipping. He's like, really, Solo? Fuck out of here. So, yay, Solo Sokoa gets ejected from ringside. Thank fuck. Roman Trey is going for a Superman punch, and for whatever reason, Cody does the pedigree and gets a near fall. Why are you going for a pedigree? What does this have to do with the match? Anyway, now you get to the further part. Cody actually does a great reversal here. Roman goes for the spear, but Cody jumps through and hits a sunset flip powerbomb, and then gets a figure four leg lock in honor of his father again, but doesn't get the job done, and Cody gets put in the guillotine, and he's stuck there for a minute, because at first Roman's doing a kneeling form of it, so he's on his knees and everything. Cody's trying to survive, but then Roman jumps up and wraps his legs around him, so grapevine, slash body scissors. But then Cody, I think they're saying on commentary that Roman had squat on him, so Cody used that as an ability to slip out of the hold, and he's laying in the right hands, and then he bumps the referee trying to go for a comeback. Well, this gives the opportunity for the Usos to come and get involved. They super kick Cody 1D, and then out comes Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn through the crowd to fight off the Usos. Thank you for that. Stunner and Haluva kick combo to Roman Reigns, and then tag champs are brawling away. Cody just starts doing that whole punch combo that his father did. Punch, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. elbow to the top of the head. Two consecutive crossroads, and he's getting ready to set up for the third. Heyman jumps on the apron, distracts referee, and his solo is back. Hoodie over his head. Simone spiked to Cody's throat. Spear by Roman. And Roman retains. Now, this was an awesome main event. It felt like it kind of went by pretty easily, even though it was over half an hour. Maybe because I wasn't paying 100% attention, thanks ADHD. But, um, there, I think this ending has got people torn. Yeah, it was another cheap win there, and it does help keep Cody protected. But I've seen people kind of debate, it's like, was this the right move? I mean, I can see the positive and negative about either outcome. It's like, yeah, they're trying to get Roman to a thousand days. So, yeah, it works. And plus, this is Roman's third consecutive victory in the main event of WrestleMania and retaining his championships and everything. So you get another case of a heel retaining in the main event. But also, this would have also been the proper and perfect time to dethrone Roman because it's the biggest stage of them all Cody having this big comeback story trying to bet on himself and all that shit so no matter what you have a right and wrong answer as to what the outcome should have been so you got arguments on both sides for me I would have preferred if Cody won 
just because like the timing and the story would have been right. But like I said, I see that they're trying to get Roman to a thousand days because WWE's been in a lot of cases where doing things they're doing things just to set records in whatever you can describe today's era as in WWE. I mean, they've had times where they're extend title reigns just to break previous records, so they're doing that with Roman at this point. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take for him to hit a thousand days. I think it's going to take a couple more months, so I don't think you can count on him dropping the championship backlash if he's going to put it, have a title defense there. So, when it comes to the second night of WrestleMania, not as good as the first. Like, the first one was a great WrestleMania night one, but night two, like I said, the opener sucked. The women's tag match felt pointless, honestly. It's like, yeah, some women got their shit in, but the finish fell flat. Awesome triple threat Intercontinental Championship match. The Raw Women's Championship match, I thought was pretty damn good, but again, I have to question the choice of the outcome here. Unfortunately, Shane getting injured, yeah. Like, it. hopefully he's going to be okay. Edge Finn was great, but again, the blood loss and ref, the, I keep wanting to say referee, the doctor interference kind of halted it down a bit. And yeah, Roman Cody was an awesome main event, but... I think you still get a mixed like, reception in terms of who should have won and who lost. But again, who's to say Cody can't bounce back from this? Who's to say he can't get another shot and eventually dethrone Roman? Again, only time will tell depending on what their plans are. But I mean, seeing how Vince is back, who knows? I mean, maybe I'll do the Raw after WrestleMania review after this. I mean, I kept hearing people saying it's shit, so I gotta see this for myself. But anyway, if I had to give this one a grade... I'd say, uh, well, I'll bump up WrestleMania 39 Night 1's grades would be plus. This one, I'd have to say a bit more of a B minus. It's like, yeah, you had some really stellar matches here, but there are criticisms that I got to get for and water down the grade for because of booking choices. So, overall, I mean, I thought 39 really delivered. But, I mean, yeah, like I said, there are some things they could have improved on, but... Let me know all in the comment section below. What did you guys think about WrestleMania 39 Night 2? What was your favorite match, least favorite, and all that shit? And what do, what do you honestly think about the outcome of the main event for Roman and Cody? So, if you all enjoyed today's episode, please remember to leave a like, subscribe with the bell, turn on if you're listening to this on YouTube, or follow if you're listening to this episode on any other service that this podcast is available on. I'll catch you all in the next episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.